Yeah, we got a so we got a church conference going on right now at my church. Prophetic, bro. Last night got blown out, and uh, so I just leveraged that to get everyone to come in and spend some time together and do some hard things. You're a master at hard things, bro. Welcome again to the Prime Mover Podcast, where we ignite the engine of your success in faith, family, finance, and fitness. Join us as we explore the power of being a prime mover in both your professional and personal life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Prime Mover Podcast. Today, we are blessed and highly favored with an amazing guest, uh, my brother from another mother, a man of God, a kingdom warrior, someone who lives as more than a conqueror uh, in business in his fatherhood. Uh, he's got an amazing story to tell you about what he does for a vocation uh, and what how God has transformed his life in every area. So without further ado, I want to welcome Frank the Tank Ortega to the Prime Mover podcast today. Hey, what's up, bro? Dude, what a heck of an intro, man. <laughs> what a man of honor. Thank you so hey. much for that, bro. Listen, I, what I didn't say was, I've said it in front of Frank, but there are two people uh, that I have given authority that if I had daughters of age that I would um, want you to marry or date my daughters, I've given two people that honor, and this guy is one of them. So um, he, he'll give you all his socials for after the show for anybody interested. But uh, <laughs> truly, truly uh, on the real, though, um, Frank is, is based out of Texas. I, I won't give too much away, but, um, I have a, I would say a circle of more than friends, uh, Barnabas's brothers in my life. And, uh, I had a conversation with Guy Jones last night in the middle of the night. And we just talked about how blessed we are to have relationships like we do. And Frank is a real one. And so, podcast or not brother like i love you i love everything about who you are what you stand for um and what you do how blessed the world is to have a frank ortega so without further ado man i just want you to know that and then also for you to tell everybody who you are where you're from what you do uh and whose you are and then let's let's kick the can down the road yeah man so um i mean first of all bro thank you for that and i have to say i feel the exact same way and podcast or not, that's just how our conversations go. Mm. Every, just every single time. You're, you're a real one, bro. Across the board, I mean, you're a man of God. You're a man of integrity. You're a man of grit. You're a man that carries Holy Spirit presence, right? When you walk into a room, that room shifts. And um, I know that I speak that into you a lot, but I think people need to know that. And that's how I genuinely feel about you, bro. Um, and I'm honestly, man, like, it's true. The brotherhood that we have, it's something that I've been praying for for a very, mm. very, very long time. And that, like, I think it's like a Chinese parable that says, like, when the uh, student is ready, the, teacher, the teacher will appear. Will appear. And I feel like when, the, when I was ready as a brother, my brothers appeared. And that's, that's who you are, bro. So thank you so much for that. Uh, yeah, no, my name is Frank Ortega. I'm a man, I'm a man of presence that walks in honor, courage, and integrity. Uh, and I'm a chain breaker, legacy maker, and a son of the living God. Um, that's just who I am, right? Um, I got a beautiful, beautiful little girl. Uh, she's 12 years old. 
Her name is Tatiana, but everybody knows her in my circle and on social media as the Goose. The Goose. Uh, <laughs> she is the Goose, man. Not just a Goose. She is the Goose, and she is such a blessing to my life. You know, she she came into my life when I was 19 years old, very very young, um, and she's been just a huge huge blessing to me and one of the biggest reasons on why I do everything that I do and why I push so hard and what I do. Um, but yeah, and uh, I'm a first first generation uh, American citizen, actually. Uh, most people don't know that, but we came here when I was two years old. Uh, my dad was working, like I so said, we came here illegally. And um, my dad was working at Applebee's and McDonald's, bro. So he would go into work at McDonald's at 5 a.m., and then he'd get out at like lunchtime, go into Applebee's at 2 p.m., and then get out at like 2 a.m. And he did that all the time, like seven days a week, just working, grinding, nice grinding, so that we could have everything that we have today. Um, and I believe that the reason why I do the things that I do right now and the reason why I'm around the people that I'm around right now is because of the sacrifice that my dad paid. Um, and now I just feel like I'm standing on his shoulders. And if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm also putting him on my shoulders at times uh, because I feel like he deserves that. And that's that's true honor. So hopefully that tells you guys a little a little yeah. bit about me. Hopefully I did good on that, brother. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Um, I got so much. I try to break the, these shows up into certain segments, but I like to flow. Um, and so I'm going to flow off of something that you just said. Uh, but, but predominantly I want to go. I, I feel like what you do for a vocation uh, – is not only needed in the world today, but if, you know, one of my core values is making an impact. And I don't know of anybody who whose vocation makes a deeper impact into really what Romans um, chapter 12, verse 2 talks about, is uh, not conforming to the patterns of this world. And you know, we live in a world where, you know, I contributed to that and I'm also a product of, of broken homes and divorce. And we live in a world where I would like to say that the most recent statistics probably say 50 percent, but it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was approaching 60 percent of a divorce rate. And so what yeah. what product uh, of a broken home, what what, 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 the, what the statistics speak to about being the product of a broken home, a divorced man, a divorced woman. And so Frank is a divorced men's recovery coach. Uh, did I get that right? Absolutely. He does tons of other things. He can coach you and help you in almost every area of your life, faith, family, finance, and fitness, because my dude is growing some 20-inch pythons right now. He's on he's on a mission with me, 12 weeks to 20-inch pythons. Uh, but look, on, on the real, um, he's a divorced men's recovery coach, and I've spoken in his community of people. I've coached alongside of him. He's a plethora of knowledge. Uh, because he's walked the walk and he's talked the talk and he's not afraid to say, hey, I've been in the muck. Here's how I got out of it. And here's what God is telling me for you, the, the action plan that maybe would work for you. And I'm, not only am I going to tell you the plan, I'm going to walk and lock arms with you as you live it out. And so, um, Frank, I want, I'd love for you to talk about the business side. It is a business podcast, so we'll sprinkle business and then top it with a bunch of kingdom after that. So tell me a little bit about, yeah. tell the audience a little bit about your business. Yeah, man. So I love what I do. I feel so, I feel so honored 
that it's not just a business, it's a calling, mm. right? It's a burden. Um, and so what, what I really do is I help people that have tried going to therapists and counselors and, and pastors and church groups and just feel like they're still in the same place. Like, and people that are tired of talking about it and need some tactical tools to actually do something to start moving forward, right? Um, and release themselves from that mental prison and emotional prison. Mm. So that, that's, that's what I do. And what I've done is God's been so gracious to help me build a community. And so it's called the Conqueror's Community. Um, and so we conquer heartbreak in there. People that are going through through the divorce, there's resources in there on how to how to win in court. Uh, we got uh, a Judge Anthony, uh, who is a specialist with high conflict divorces, and he's like donated resources into the community that people have access to that saves people thousands of dollars on like attorney fees. We also you know help them dealing with a uh, toxic co-parent quote-unquote, right, and and having boundaries in those areas. And really what I do is I teach people how to master their life experience, essentially, because I can't change what happens. So one of the, one of the quotes that, you know, all the conquerors love so much that I say is that life happens on its terms, but it's always experienced on our terms. And so that that's the business. So it's, it's all a community. Uh, I do a life after divorce mastermind that where we we now are hitting on a 10-year vision now mm -hmm. a lot of the things that we have going on brother like i'm mm -hmm. implementing into that mastermind now um and then also i do one-on-one -on -one coaching for people that are just really really struggling and you people are getting results in less than 90 days they're experiencing next level freedom so god is just so good man yeah so yeah I think you so you've learned to summarize what you do what you do into a, a a short a very short version, but I believe there's tremendous amount of value um, in who you are and what you do and how you relate um, business to life into the spiritual realm. But most importantly, uh, one thing I love about you is how passionate you are as a dad, and so you know I believe that there's a big difference between being a father, being a dad, and being a daddy. You know, like, at the end of the day, any man can become a father, but I want to be a daddy. I want to be the dad who, um, who is there for all the lessons, all the muck. And so as entrepreneurs and dads, I, this, I wrote it down, dad entrepreneur. that's what I want you to talk about next is – how how do you stay intentional with the goose and your business, even though it is a, a work from home business? So you have some freedom of proximity, but I can speak to this man's schedule. He he works a full schedule. So what does dad entrepreneur mean to you? And then how do you show up as a prime mover? I missed that in the beginning part of it, but a prime mover, why this is called the prime mover podcast is I'm in the power generation space. Um, I believe that as a husband, father, dad, and entrepreneur, um, the most successful people are prime movers, the guys who show up first, who bring the energy, who bring the requirements, who are who's going to bring all the provisions necessary for this project, this household, this relationship to be successful. I'm the thermostat. I'm the prime mover. Frank is a prime mover. Frank's a thermostat. So having said that, how do you show up as a consistently as a dad entrepreneur or prime mover 
while maintaining and running and owning a business? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Um, I struggle with it. That's mm. how I feel like that's um, for for a for a daddy, not for uh, someone who just became a dad, but for a daddy, your heart is so much for your kids. Like my heart is for the goose. Yeah. Like I just want to be there for mm. her. I want to be present. It's one of my core values. Yeah. And. I'm doing that while I'm also pursuing creating impact and long-lasting impact so that I can build up those treasures in heaven, right, yeah. as well. And I have a huge burden for that. And so I think the thing that I struggle with the most when, whenever I'm doing that, bro, is just I'm with her and then my mind is on so many different things and I have to bring myself back, to bring myself back. And so I think the number one thing that I, that's really been helping me um, show up is first of all the quality of the life that we experience is determined by the quality of questions we ask yeah. right and that's what our thought patterns are and so i'll ask myself a simple questions which is how do i want to show up with my goose today like, how do i want to show what kind of experience do i want to create and when i start asking these questions i can get really intentional on envisioning how i want to show up so i'll do that as i'm driving to go pick her up Right. It's like, OK, do I want to be kind of just low energy, whatever, or do I want to be bumping some, you know, uh, finding Nemo soundtrack music because she's all into that right now and just go full blown imagination with her. And so for me, the way that I show up with her and trying to like navigate business, man, it's hard. Like it, it's just hard. But I feel like what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to switch that perspective to understand that, like, this isn't just a business. This is my life, mm -hmm. right? And I thank God that I have the opportunity to do what I feel is called ministry. And I never want my daughter to feel like ministry is something that it's like taking away from her. Got it. So I bring her into things as much as I possibly can, right? Like if I'm working on something, if I have events, like yesterday, people flew in from all over the country like this week. And some of them got to meet her yesterday, right? Because she's not, I'm not compartmentalizing or compartmentalizing my life, like mm -hmm. putting in certain sections. I want it to all flow together, right? Sure. And same thing when I was training for that, for the uh, ultra marathon. It's like I brought her into that as well. So she would go on some runs with me, not, not crazy long runs, but she would do what she could. And so bringing her into my world. Because I think as, as a kid, if I look back at my experience with my dad, all I really wanted to do was spend time with him. Didn't really care what it was. And what I've noticed is, even if I was sitting here, if she was here right now, she would be sitting on this couch right here, <laughs> right now. She'd be sitting right there, and she'd be listening to me. And then at the end of it, she would tell me like, Papa, you did so good, or Papa, I'm so proud of you, or whatever, right? And that stuff never clicked to me. I always felt like I had to, like, separate things. And then one day, uh, she was with my parents the entire Friday because I was, I was helping Steve uh, Weatherford, one of our, our mentors, our Paul, I would say, um, at a launching pad event. And then I sent them this video that Steve had sent me when I was, like, leading all the men in prayer. Mm -hmm. And I sent that to my mom. And is so beautiful because that night after I picked up my, my little girl, we played Super Smash Brothers for a little while, <laughs> right? 
And then I headed to bed. She comes in and she's like, she's rubbing my face as I'm like laying down. She's like, Papa, I'm so proud of you. I was like, why do you say that, baby? She was like, well, Cello, this is my mom, showed me the video of you praying for those men. She's like, I'm so proud of you. Mm. And so, dude, that like, it, it gets me emotional yeah. because she's seeing me do what God's called me to do. And she's not holding bitterness because I feel like she she just knows my heart intention. That's like, even though I'm exhausted, baby, let's play some Super Smash Brothers. Right? <laughs> right. right? Like, let's eat some popcorn. Let's drink some Coca-Colas. Yeah. Like, we could be healthy tomorrow. But I've been gone all day. And I know that right now you just want to party. And so let's just be <laughs> party. Even if it's for 30 minutes. Like, let's go all in. So... I hope that answers the question, bro. But yeah, that's a, that's a long question. We're gonna um, we're gonna take a break. Real, I think we got to change uh, the card and the camera real quick. Is that what it is? Battery. Yeah, <clears throat> got a lot of moving parts. That's cool. No, I got a great. Uh, I want to come back to what you say because that was that was a great answer for sure. And I asked the same question uh, to a lot of people, and it's it's amazing how. Um, like Jeff Jensen was probably my last episode that I shot from in this studio um, and how he answered the question was very similar. And so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that here in a second. Are we on the, am I? Oh yeah. I'm on the Riverside camera from the computer on Riverside. We just use the feed from the HD camera. Okay. Got it. Yep. Well, when you pick the camera up, my, I didn't turn sideways. So I was like, ah, okay. I'm on the Riverside camera. Let me know when you're ready to go. So, yeah, amazing answer to to a, a, a very open-ended question. Uh, I'm looking for people to answer the question, how does showing up as a dad entrepreneur, as a prime mover, as a father, I want people to write a story on how to answer that question because I believe it's it's a living, breathing answer um, because yeah. it, it changes every day that, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've I had, I think I've shared this with you before, but um, being self-aware is one of the most powerful attributes we can develop as a father, as a prime mover. And it's, it's my first pillar towards being successful is a strong sense or deep sense of self-awareness. When I didn't realize that I was bringing my kids in the fold in, into, into the, my daily life as an entrepreneur, I would be convicted that while I was going to a practice or something like that and my kids were in the back seat that I wasn't interacting with them, but it might've been like, you know, three 30 in the afternoon or four o'clock or five 15 and being in the oil field, like that's still work hours. And so daddy, daddy's not in the office, but daddy's still working. And so I was, I was very hard on myself during those moments by thinking I should be I should be telling these clients or this client or this employee like hey it's dad time I got to go 
the reason why I talk, I, I spoke about that answer being fluid and being a living, breathing answer is because I had no idea what I was doing by having those conversations with my kids in the backseat. Wow. Having a high level negotiation with a multi-million dollar client or having a reprimand conversation with a high level employee or a low level employee, I didn't filter that from them. Yeah, that's good. So, so they got to build and learn like, you know, it's crazy. I joke about it, but their negotiating tactics are pretty aggressive for being kids. And so I'm like, what do you mean? Why are you, why are we negotiating right now? Like I'm, I'm daddy. Like, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. No negotiation here. But what, what did I expect? I, I, I ushered them into a, 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 a sphere of negotiation as being one of my main strong points and being self-aware had I answered that question a couple years ago, I would have said, Oh man, I'm not showing up very well. I don't know when to turn the work switch off, but by bringing my children into the fold of my business, I get to answer that question fluid, more fluid and more living, breathing answer. So there's no wrong way, bro. That was, that was powerful. Um, you mentioned something about part of my, my questions were going to be, um, an ultra marathon. You know, you, you decided, uh, I'm not a runner. I wasn't a runner, but nothing will make me a runner like running a hundred miles. And so, um, I want to know, you said you brought the goose into it. I want to know, like, what was the takeaways from, her being involved in your hundred mile training, how did you grow? What did you learn about yourself before, during, and after? And uh, and talk a little bit about that hundred mile uh, race. Yeah, um, man, what that was a that was an experience for people who don't really know the story, right? So March. Um, March of 2023, I go to Steve Weatherford's house for a launching pad event and we do 700 lunges is how we start off. And then, uh, this Navy SEAL has us running uphill sprints two times. And <laughs> then because I didn't do this time because my legs were dead, uh, then we had to do pushups. And so right after the pushups, I finished, but I watered the grass man, with my mouth. I just puked everywhere. And it gave me a rude awakening of, okay, I'm a big fish in my pond, but I'm not a big fish when it comes down to this, right? And it was just such an awakening moment. But to see these brothers come around me and love on me, and they called me the mascot of that event because I, I laid it all out there, right? And so then next thing you know, you know, Steve and, and me, we start pursuing each other a little bit. And I start going to the gym a little bit with him. And everybody he's talking to, he's just like, yeah, Frank's going to run 100 miles with me in December. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Steve, I didn't say that, man. Like, I didn't say I was running 100 miles. And he just kept saying it to people, like, yeah, Frank's running with me. Like, we're doing it in December. And so finally I was like, man, you know what? I think I need to do this. And I'm not a runner at all. I hadn't run in I don't know how long. I would use jujitsu as, as my cardio. Um, but I hated running, didn't want to run. And so I start training, and it's very intense, like, training. Like, I didn't have that long of training, probably three, four months maybe, um, and no background of running whatsoever. 
And so some of the runs that I was doing was like 10, 15 miles. Um, and so what I started doing was my little girl, it was convicting again, because dad dadpreneur, but then on top of that, you're trying to tackle something that is incredibly physically demanding <laughs> and you've never prepped for it before. You've never done it before. So you're trying to do the best that you can to be ready for that thing. And these 10, 15 mile runs are taking two hours, two and a half hours. <laughs> like you can't just squeeze those suckers in, right? Like they're taking a part of your day. And so next thing you know, I get the goose and she comes home. I'm like, all right, baby, like, you're going to run with me, okay? And my parents usually come over to, like, spend time with her as well. So she would go. I had, like, a two-mile loop that I would do. And so she would run those two miles with me. And what I realized was that it was incredible because on those runs, we would have so many really good talks because she never wanted to go on the run, ever. Did not, just like her daddy, hates running, right? And so she did not want to go on those runs, but she went with me anyways. And... As we were going, what started happening was I would just start speaking life into her. And I would remind her of all the scary things that she used to not want to do. For example, I would always go back to the example of when I took her to Great Wolf Lodge. And we were in the little kids area and she was enjoying those little water slides. But then I took her to a bigger water slide and she was terrified. And it took us about 15 minutes to, like, I finally convinced her to get in line then she finally went down the slide and she had a blast. And so now she was always going down that slide. And then she did an even bigger slide. And so I would always take her back to that moment because it was such a tangible moment of where I don't want to do this. This is scary. But then there was so much reward at the end of it. And so I would leverage that story every single time with her. Be like, baby, remember when this? Remember you, you didn't want to go down the slide? And then how did you feel afterwards? She was like really happy. I was like, baby, when you do things that are scary, almost every single time you're gonna be, ex you're gonna feel that feeling afterwards. And if you don't feel really happy, you'll feel proud of yourself. You'll feel proud of yourself. And then what started happening, bro? These runs, man. I haven't really thought about it until you just asked me this, so I might get emotional on this. These runs broke a new side of my daughter out. It unlocked a new side. Me choosing to do something that I've never done before, me choosing to unlock a side of me that I've never been willing to tap into, no one in my family has been willing to tap into, me doing that unlocked a side in her where she started overcoming fearful things. And like little things, but to her, they're scary. Yeah. They're scary. And I can't just be here like, ah, you shouldn't be scared of that. That's not how I parent. I'm like, okay, you're scared of that. Let's address it then. Not you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be. No, baby, like you're scared of it. Why are you scared of it? All right, let me walk you through this real quick. Let's see if, if it's scary afterwards. So what started happening, bro, was she started doing amazing things. Like something so simple like at the playground, there's like these rope things that you got to like get across. And it was in one of my little nephew's uh, t-ball games. So I was over there and I was watching her. And she was doing the whole playground, and then she gets to that part. And she, like, looks so excited, waiting her turn to go. And then it was her turn to go. And she grabs onto the first rope, and she goes to step out. And I just see the fear in her face. And she's, like, stepping, but it's, like, moving. So she's scared. And then she, like, steps away from it. And then she, she goes for it again, and she steps away from it. And, and then she was just like, okay, I'm not going to do that. Too scary. 
So from the bench, I call her over. I was like, Goose, come here, baby. So she comes. I was like, do you want to do that? She was like, uh, I don't know, Papa. Literally the exact question. I don't know, Papa. And I was like, I was like, baby, do you want to do that? I'm like, I'm not asking if it's scary or anything. Just do you want to? Would it be cool if you could do that? She was like, she was like, yeah. I was like, what if I go up there with you and I show you and do that thing with you? Like, would you be okay with that? She was like, yeah. So just like on our runs, she was going and doing the runs with me, the things that I didn't want to do. So I go over there with her and then I start teaching. I'm like, here, put your foot here. Put your hand here. Put your foot here. Put your hand here. And the next thing you know, she gets across it. And so we start celebrating. Pre people at the park, like in the like little T-ball area, probably thought that I was like extra. I don't give a crap, bro. Like, my daughter just got a victory. I'm going to celebrate the heck no, out of her, no, right? No. <laughs> Who's watching? And so then I tell her, I was like, baby, go run it again. And then she does it by herself. And next thing you know, she's running to get her grandpa and her grandma to show them that she can do the thing that she didn't think that she could do. And that's what happened in our runs. And so now I could shoot her a text right now and be like, hey, baby, you're more than a, and she'll say, conquer. conquer. Let's go. I'm like, baby, you're more than a conquer. I'll be up here. I'll be like, baby, more than a, she's like, conquer. <laughs> because now her identity is becoming the, that I am more than a conqueror. It doesn't mean I'm not afraid, but I will do the things that I'm afraid of doing. And that all happened when I decided to do something that nobody in my family's ever decided to do. Yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about that, Frank. Like, I wrote it down, doing hard things. Um, you answered it. If I was to ask the question again, I would, I would have said, how does, one thing I wrote down about this is making a legacy impact, you know, like doing these hard things and how they benefit your, your children, our children by, by having them either participate or at least watch, um, that's making a legacy impact. It's a, it's a picture of possibility from somebody who, you know, can you imagine you and I, you and I both share one thing that our picture of possibility in our life that, pushed us to to be better or to or to grow was not that of flesh and blood mm. so how much legacy impact are we making that if we are our own children's picture of possibility like main staying at that status of you know i talk about this a lot like i still pray at our meals when I pray with my family, I still pray in the same cadence that my great grandfather prayed. He has a, he had a prayer preface, he had a prayer closing, and he had a specific cadence. Well, if our children can be 40 years old and their kids say, "Daddy, why do you pray like that?" Because I pray like Daddy prayed. Daddy, why you why do you run like that? Because my daddy did it. Why do you do hard things? Cause my daddy did it. So that's my thought with, with you is it doesn't have to be specifically geared to the goose, but how does doing hard things like right now, cold plunging and sauna and, and all this stuff's, you know, organic health and 10 extra health and, um, body, uh, what do they call that? Um, biohacking and all this, 
you know, body process mapping, it's it's kind of taking the nation by storm, but boil down not only doing hard things, but where's the biblical premise there and what's the fruit of it? Man, doing hard things has changed my life. And I feel like I, I always did hard things compared to like my family. Like, I mean, if you're on, if you're an entrepreneur, that's a hard thing. <laughs> Like, that is a difficult thing. Not everybody, everybody wants it, supposedly. Yeah. But then <laughs> once they get the smoke, they start coughing <laughs> real quick. That's right. Real quick. And they try and bounce, bounce out of that room, right? That's right. And so I know for me, what it's done is it's raised the ceiling in my family, man. It's raised the ceiling on my dad. Mm. It's raised the ceiling on my mom. It's raised the ceiling on my brother. My, my cousins that came and watched me and ran a couple miles with me when I was when my body was broken. Right. And they were like, dude, they're like running. These five miles were hard. You've already been running for 16 hours and a half. Yeah. Like, And I'm over here like these five miles. What the heck? <laughs> and so, bro, what I'm noticing is that it's, it's changing the trajectory of my legacy. And here's the thing. Hard things physically always correlate to hard things spiritually and hard things mentally. It's just going to happen automatically. How you do one thing, you're going to do the next thing. You compromise in one thing, you're going to compromise in other things. You want things to be easy, you're always going to want to have an easy conversation. Here's the thing. Showing up as a dad whenever, like speci specifically when I got my little girl showing up as a dad, that ain't easy. <laughs> like that can be difficult, especially if I'm over here juggling, you know, so many individuals' problems, and then putting out all my own fires as well. Sure. It's hard. It's hard. You know what else is hard? It's hard your dad never telling you that he's proud of you and that he loves you, and then you choosing to have that conversation with him instead of him having it with you. That, that was hard. That was hard to do. It was also hard to be like, hey, Dad, I want you in heaven with me, man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not so sure that you're going to be there right now. Can we can we solidify this thing? Can we can we make make that thing happen right now? That's a hard conversation. Mm. That's a hard conversation. And so for me, bro, doing hard things has just been something that's taken my over my life now, man. Like just being honest, like I don't want to be soft. I don't want to take the easy way out. I feel like my dad did something incredibly difficult by leaving everything and coming here. And then the life that we lived, like for, for a moment, you know, for a couple months, maybe even a year, we lived with my aunt in a, in a mobile home and with her kids. And our, our, uh, our bedroom was the living room, a blow-up mattress. My parents, my dad did that so that I could do this. And so now I get to choose, okay, I could have a comfortable life, an easy life. I could just go to a nine to five and do something, whatever. But it's like, no, 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 no. I want to do something that doesn't make sense because I feel like that's what God's asking me to mm. do. Because what's a risk to me is obedience to God. Amen. It's not a risk. It's not a risk. And so I, I believe hard things, bro, for my family, for my legacy— um, it's changing everything across the board. Hey, 
I'm going to flip the script on you and give you an old, you're going to know where this is coming from. So what I'm hearing you say (laughs) from Father Steve, um, when you were talking, I started thinking about how I would summarize this about based on your dad moving here, doing hard things. And then you now choosing to do so. So what I got out of that was when we do hard things in life because we have to, typically overcoming them is a byproduct of just us like, hey, back up against the wall. Like I got to make, I got to pay my light bill or I got to make this relationship work or else there's something hanging on the end of it. Or I got to, you know, I'm a business owner. I got to make payroll. I got to pay these people. I got to get business in the door. I got to be a dad who shows up. When we got to do it, the hard things I'm talking about, we have very little control over what the world gets out of that. Mm. Because we're doing hard things because we kind of have no choice. Back up against the wall If it means I got to cut somebody to get to where I'm going or I got to step on somebody's head or I got to assault somebody or smash somebody or hurt somebody, when our back's up against the wall, we're doing hard things and we have no control over what the world sees, what our children see, what our family sees and what benefit or lack thereof that they take out of our inability to do anything but fight. Yeah. But when we can choose to do hard things, not only are we choosing to do those hard things, we are now in control of the message, not the mess. Mm-hmm. We're in control of why am I doing hard things? Well, I can tell you before I do it why I'm doing these hard things. And I'm going to also yeah. tell you after by my exa- by my example why I'm doing these hard things because you know, you spoke about it. Our thoughts become our actions. Our actions become habits and habits shape our identity. So getting in cold water, I hate getting in cold water. Like I don't hate many things, but I don't like to cold plunge. But if I gave somebody the reasons on why I would do it, one, I don't want to be soft because there's going to come a time when I have to do hard things And I need a positive message to come out of that. The only way I can prepare for that is by voluntarily doing them. So I can control the narrative, give glory where glory belongs, and let him do the work that I can't do. I can conquer my flesh, and God gets the glory, and he gets the, the message. He's in control of the message. And all I'm doing is getting in a freaking tub of cold water and sucking it up. Doesn't mean I don't have to cry through it. Doesn't mean I don't have to hoop and holler. But at the end of the day, by choosing to do hard things, the day that when the day comes that I got to fight and my back's up against the wall, the message goes to the messenger, not to me. Yeah, yeah. I, bro, yesterday my pre, my pastor was preaching and he uh he just delivered this so beautifully. There's a difference between getting like a spill and a pour. Mm. When you spill, you can't control how much comes out, how much you lose, how much falls out of the glass. But when you pour, you're measuring exactly how much I wanna I wanna I wanna pour out. 
And our lives are designed to pour out, but what we do is we live constantly spilling because life hits with something hard, and now we have to respond like what you were saying. Backs up against the wall. I got to. And so now you're running over people to make things happen, whereas opposed if you said, I am laying down my life, there's a different meaning, Mm. man. And meaning changes everything. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what we do. What matters is the meaning. All of it is that. Some, some, some lady comes up to you and gives you, you know, the nicest compliment in the world and says, like, man, you're handsome, this and this and that, the things I would do to you. What matter? Long. You'd be like, dude, ah, uh, it's meaning. But your lady comes and says that to you, changes everything. And so I believe doing hard things is me saying, hey, I am pouring out my life I'm not waiting for the world to come and spill me. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, 100%. I wrote it down. I mean, I wrote it. You can see it. I underlined it and, and circled it and squared it and highlighted it. Um, <laughs> spill versus pour. Like, that's a, that is the way we encapsulate doing hard things and how I'll, I'll wrap up that segment. But, man, a ton of value here. And I hope that everyone – Doing hard things is going to be something we talk about on this podcast. I mean, it's called Prime Mover Podcast. Um, Being a prime mover, you are going to be met with things that are outside of your control. The ability to maintain equanimity, which is the right frame of mind during those circumstances that are out of your control, there is a way to control the controllable. It's I'm prepared for hard things to happen by my actions. I'm in full prayer and hope that life is peachy and grand and easy and stuff like that. But the reality of the matter is we're going to be tempted. We're going to make some bad decisions. Things around us are going to happen. And when we get to that throne room, when we hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant, it's, it's impossible to hear that without being able to handle hard things. So if you know life's yeah. going to throw hard stuff at you, prepare for it. And so mm-hmm. and that's just that's a word that I believe every for sure every entrepreneur, every dad entrepreneur needs to hear. Um, so I want to go through. <clears throat> it's not like a rapid fire around, but I have these five things that I ask everybody. And so I'm saving all the answers and uh, kind of like. You doing some statistical data. So if you want to participate in that, dude, I'd love to hear what you have to say on these things. Yeah, brother, I'm down. So we talk a lot about core values. You mentioned that when we started in the, in the beginning about uh, one of your core values uh, was being present. And so share with the audience Frank Ortega's uh, core values. Uh, presence, honor, integrity, and courage. Mm. So the audience can't answer, but if you're watching this, you probably if you're listening, you'll probably sh- be shaking your head. Um, when somebody's core values aligns with who they are and how they carry themselves and speak, that's when the magic happens. You know, I could say that my core values are X, Y, and Z, and then the hour conversation after I say that, I'm probably going to lend my speaking and my thought process to those core values. 
I ask it intentionally after an hour of conversation because I'm trying to extract those core values out of what you said. And everything that you have talked about in the last 45 minutes screams those core values. So that's when you know they're real. Um, I love that. I read a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. I think I shared this with you, um, with our with our group of men. Um, basically what it is in summary is when I'm trying to strategize a situation, speaking directly entrepreneurially, but it could be in any arena of your life. What the world is doing and what everybody else is doing is competing in a red ocean. What Frank is doing is a blue ocean strategy. I'm not going to get out in the red ocean and compete with everybody. I'm going to create my own lane. I'm going to create my own strategy. What is Frank Ortega's blue ocean strategy about on life? Man, I believe it's speaking directly to me on the other side of the screen. Mm. I want to reach all the Frank Ortegas on the other side of the screen because those people will vibe directly with me and say, this is the kind of guy I, I got to talk to him. I've been through what he's been through. He's thinking what I'm thinking. He felt what I felt, right? And I don't want to shoot for everybody. A shotgun can't go very far. A sniper can go miles. And so dialing in to where I, I'm speaking to literally myself, the broken version of me, the, one of the prayers that I've been praying is, God, can you trust me with more broken men? <clears throat> trust me with more broken men. Build me up to be trusted so that you can trust me with more broken men. I think speaking directly to the broken version of me. Like, I believe that's how I created, like, my own blue ocean because it's true, man. <laughs> as, as soon as I popped off three videos, uh, I went full-time into my business, and I believe it's because of my messaging. It wasn't cleaned up. It wasn't professional. It was real. It wasn't none of that, but it was real. It was real. Yeah, so – Dude, Blue Ocean Strategy, I can go back and look at the last several guests, and when I ask them the same question, it's crazy how they parallel with with being real. So, hey, world, um, everything around us is a facade right now, like the news media, the political landscape, um, the human element, race issues, religion issues. It's a facade. However, if yeah. that's all that gets shoved down our throat through every media outlet available, that reality becomes reality or that thought process becomes reality. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the amount of time I've asked that question about what's your blue ocean strategy and everybody in a roundabout way typically leads with truth, reality, strong sense of presence. And leading myself well. Because everybody wants to, not everybody, but for the most part, if you're a leader, the first thing you think of is leading others. We got to lead ourselves and be able to speak, coach, and teach ourselves things before we get anybody to follow. So I love that, man. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to curb the next question to you. Uh, the next question is, these are the most two pivotal books I read in 2023. Uh, one was Blue Ocean Strategy. The other one was Patrick Bed David, Your Next Five Moves. 
So I ask everybody, what is your next – give advice to an up-and-coming entrepreneur the next five moves they should do to kind of take 2024 and make it their own. I'm going to change it up a little bit on you. I want you to speak directly to divorced men. Mm. I'm a divorced man. I am flat on my face. I don't know which way to turn. My I am statement, my third word is failure. I'm a failure. I screwed this up. I'll be, I'll be statistic. I ruined my kids. I ruined my wife or she ruined me or whatever. We're playing the blame game and we are at the lowest low. What's my next five moves? I think your first move, your first move is going to your dad with uh, your genuine pain and your genuine thoughts. Don't clean it up for him. And when I say go to your dad, I mean go to God. I mean, go, go to your daddy, your heavenly father, because he understands you more than you understand yourself, and he will wrap his arms around you and remind you of who you are when the rest of the world is spitting fire at you. That's the first thing that I believe you need to do, 100%. The next thing that you need to do is you need to start getting around the right people get around the right people if you can start getting around the right people when i say the right people let me scratch that get around fruitful people get around fruitful people people that are actually helping you move forward that are speaking life into you right the third thing that i would say is i know this is going to be difficult but don't be selfish serve someone serve someone you got to serve someone. One of my biggest breakthroughs when I was in a suicidal state happened when a young man from my church called me because he had just graduated from internship. And he said, man, I don't know what to do next. Uh, how do I transition into the real world? And he had no idea what I was going through. First thought that goes through my head is, dude, what the hell is this dude's problem? Like, I'm going through hell right now. This guy's asking me for, like, help on, like, getting out of an internship and what job should he get? How should he? Like, there's bigger problems than that was my initial thought. But I felt like God said, go serve him. Go serve him. I went and I served him, and everything that I felt God had been speaking to me for the past three weeks when I was in this hellhole mm. was exactly what that, that young man needed to hear. And I remember going to my truck, sitting in there, and immediately breaking down because I felt the Holy Spirit work through me. And I just remember feeling like I'm not a waste of space. Mm. I still have value. He's moving through me, which means that I'm worth something. <laughs> There's something in me still, right? Mm. Number four, uh, I would say definitely start changing the meaning. You got to address the meaning. This is the stuff that nobody really tells you. Ask yourself, what am I making this mean about myself? And then do what the Bible says. Take every thought captive and then also be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? What am I making this mean about myself? Do you want to accept that meaning or no? And this is how I would position it to you as a, as a man who's going through this right now. If you've got a little girl or you got a little boy, would you allow them to accept that meaning about themselves? If the answer is no, it's time to stand up for yourself. Because that's not your voice. 
That's the voice of the enemy. That's the voice of the world. That's the voice of doubt and fear. And if you listen to that voice, even though it is a blatant lie, it will become your reality. I don't care what anybody tells you. It will become your reality because what you focus on, you're going to create. What you entertain in your head, you're going to experience in your heart. As a man thinketh and believeth in his heart, so, so is he. shall be. That's right. So get that crap out of you and decide. Decide. And if somebody around you looks at you and says, "No, nah, bro, that really does mean you're a me. You're that really does mean you're a failure." Cut them off. Cut them off. Cut them off and get people that say, "No, no, no. This does not mean that this is the end. You can make this the beginning. You can make this the start of something brand new. God can restore. God can renew. And it doesn't have to be the way that you want it to look like." So that's what I would say. Change the meaning. The fifth thing that I would say is, man. Take radical action, man. Take radical action. Listen to the podcast and then do what the flipping podcast says to do. Read the book and do what the flipping book says to do. Don't just get yourself caught up with head knowledge. Do it. Implement mm. it. Take the steps and do the work. And I promise you, man, everything is like a muscle, even training your mind, right? Like changing the, these meanings it's through action. It's not through just, oh, okay, I'm going to change the meaning. No, 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 no. It's actually writing it down. This is the crap that's going on in my head. And then writing down what you're willing to choose and make those reps happen. The more you get those reps in, the sooner you're going to get those 20-inch pythons. <laughs> Mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. <laughs> Bro. Hey, listen, let's, I want to go over that with the audience today because I have one more question, but I'll end the show on this. Uh, and we're going to make a reel out of this because this is the sauce. This is the thing. Check this out. This is the best next five move answers I've ever had because it's applicable to every area of your life. If I want to be the best version of myself as a dad, a husband, entrepreneur, a, a, a ball player, a, a NASCAR driver, like an author, a, a creator, whatever, listen to what Frank said. Number one. Go to the heavenly father, unashamed, naked, nude, flawed, establish a relationship. That is what he wants. God says, come to me, call out to me, and I will tell you things you did not know. That's Jeremiah 33.3. Number two, alignments. Clean out the freaking refrigerator of your life. There are people around you right now that do not want you to win and are telling you that they want you to win. They are expired like sour milk. Get fruitful alignments in your life. Number three, serve. Become a servant leader. Hear me out. I'm starting a business now. Let's, let's go in the business landscape. I'll stop at number three. One, centered around God. Two, get the right people on your side. Three, be a servant leader. Wash some flipping feet. Yeah. Number four, add meaning to meaning. You can't tell people where you're going. You, you don't know where you're going if you don't have vision, mission, purpose. Vision, mission, purpose is what he said. Add meaning to meaning. You get to give meaning to meaning. You're a divorced man. You fell flat on your face. What does that mean? The world says you're failing. Well, guess what? When the, we're fortunate to live in a, a society where when the world says you failed, 
I bet you're winning. And when the world says you're winning, you're probably a failure. Do not conform to those patterns. This divorce is not the, the lid. It's not putting the lid on anything. Yeah. Vision, mission, and purpose. And number five, go. Like, this is it. If I'm going on a journey, he said, take audacious, massive, radical action. Mm -hmm. Set audacious, hairy goals that in order for them to happen, God's got to be involved. He has to be involved. He has to be real. He says, test my pleasing and perfect will. That's the second part of the verse about not conforming so that you can prove and test my good and pleasing. And that's how you do it. You say, God, I'm going to set this goal. There's probably no way I'm going to achieve it unless you show up and manifest yourself in my life. And I'm going to do five things. I'm going to you. I'm going to get the right people in my life. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to have vision, mission, and purpose. And I'm freaking going, taking radical, massive action. That's it. If the room was big enough, I would take a victory lap. Uh, so that's that's powerful, bro. That's so good, man. You said it so much better than I did. I love that. <laughs> you planted the seed, baby. I just watered it. Uh, Come on. So last but not least, I'm a big reader, man. Uh, you know that I got 20 books or so on my radar to read this year. Uh, I've, I'm about to finish number two. And so um, – Obviously, the book, the Bible, is something that I believe much entrepreneurial foundations are based upon, uh, the most successful ones anyway. And, you know, from an entrepreneurial podcast, you might think, hey, man, give me some ideas on books because you want the cheat codes uh, ultimately, but nothing worth having comes easy. So you can go read the Cliff's Notes on a lot of entrepreneurial books or you can get in the Bible. And you're going to find the answers or the formulas to Frank's next five moves, undoubtedly in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, give me a couple of books that you think would change the lives of the people who are in our audience um, that you've read. You can give meaning to them or you can just give me a title of the book. Yeah, um, I want to give one specifically, okay? And it's a book that you've read, The Crushing by Bishop T.D. Jakes. This is why I want to give this one book, because this book will help not change, but restore your true identity, which means that you're more than a conqueror. It will help you understand that, man, I can go through anything and the weight that's placed on me is producing anointing oil. It's producing power. It's producing purpose so that when thing do stuff does start hitting the fan, your identity flares up and says, I'm not quitting. Why? Because this is a crushing season, which means there's oil coming, mm -hmm. <laughs> which means there's wine coming, right? And so for me, this book is key because if you got a spirit that endures crushing and that welcomes the crushing, Bro, everything else will be easy for you because the biggest problem that we face is our identity. I don't know if I can. I don't know. No, 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 no. I know that I can yeah. because I've been through crushing, because I love crushing, because I rejoice in the middle of crushing, because I was designed 
for the crushing. To me, that book is everything. Be- <laughs> oh. <laughs> to me, that book is everything because my dad, man, my best friend, Jesus Christ, that is who he was. When he was carrying that cross, you don't think it was crushing? Mm. When he was being whipped, you don't think that was crushing? His crushing brought the biggest miracle that's ever happened in our in universe, in the galaxy ever known to man was that man's crushing. So what would your crushing bring to your generation? What would your crushing bring to your legacy? If we know how to endure it, and that only happens when there is this restoration. And I don't like saying change of identity because you are already somebody that's willing to endure crushing. That's how God designed you. So what we're doing is we're getting rid of all the flipping crap that the world tried telling you that you're that this is who you are. Because who told you that? They did. Not God the Father. God designed you as a man that can endure crushing. And not just that, but can produce oil and the finest of wines when you're willing to submit to it. So that's the book that I would recommend to everybody. Dude, I read the book. Uh, I'm going to say two things on that. That's one of the most powerful books I've ever read. There's a little controversy going on out there with T.D. Jakes right now. Let me say this. Don't be so naive as to think that because there is controversy going on with somebody who preached the gospel, shared the gospel, and wrote about the gospel, that he changed the gospel. He didn't change anything. Um, The Bible says there is not even one good person, not even one. By judging him, we we don't allow ourselves to get the fruit of this word. And so if you want to determine whether or not crushing, the message in crushing is real, go read John chapter 15. The book is based on John chapter 15. It's got grapes on the cover. The biggest growth that we can go through in our life is on the other side of a blade. And we're scared of the blade. This ties into why we do hard things. Why choose to do hard things? Because Jesus says, what my father sees as good fruit, he prunes so that would be even more fruitful. We see a pruning shears coming and we panic because we don't have the Holy Spirit. But we should embrace those shears because I know what's going to happen on the other side of that being of being pruned. Whether or not I get thrown in the fire, that's up to me and my sin nature and my repentance. But if you want to grow, you got to accept the blades coming in order for you to grow. Don't run from the blade. Believe that it's coming from the right place. So if you want to go buy into T.D. Jake's controversy about what he may or may not have done with P. Diddy and all these other crap, you do what you want to do. But it's going to be on this podcast because the message of the book encompasses Frank's entire podcast today. Uh, So we're going to stop. I'm not asking you for any more books. You know what's crazy is I conform to the patterns of this world because you see some books back here. And crushing was up there in the middle. And when the T.D. Jakes controversy started, I took it down. Because I was concerned about what someone might think about people's, my doctrine or what I believed. You know what? I'm Listen, if there's a message in there, you can turn it however you, however you want to. You can take the Bible and spin things as atheism, or you can spin things as, well, that's the Old Testament. That doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want to do with the information. 
But if you're a prime mover, you embrace a blade. You embrace doing hard things. It conditions you. You know how to pour and not spill. You understand what legacy impact means. You understand what presence, honor, integrity, and courage are because you're a prime mover. I'm a prime mover. Frank's a prime mover. And this is Prime Mover Podcast. So thank you all for joining us. I am, This is one of my favorite episodes. we got an hour and five minutes of spectacular content. You get to look at this beautiful version of a, a man in a red shirt who is more than a conqueror. My brother, my homie, my ride or die, Frank Ortega. Thank you for being on Prime Mover Podcast, brother. Thank you so much for having me, bro. I love you, man. Love you too, man. Let's do some life together. Uh, this ain't the end. This is on, this is our new normal, right? This is our new normal. Hey, we have conversations like this on a daily basis, okay? Like when most dudes are talking about who's winning in the NFL, which I don't even know who's still left in it, and I'm a sports guy, and talking about how little th- their wife doesn't do the things that they want them to do, and she doesn't do the little thing I like anymore, and it's me, 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 me. This is the kind of real talk that we have. This is how I know that my 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 friends and the people in my life who had an expiration date, when I fell flat on my face, they weren't conquerors. Surround yourself with conquerors like Frank. So... Thank you guys for joining us on another episode of Prime Mover Podcast, where we ignite the engine of your success through faith, family, finance, and fitness. Join us again for another exhilarating guest. And my next guest, I'm calling it out now, is going to be a guy that's named Guy that he knows very, very well. And be ready for a powerful, transformative testimony on the next episode of PMP.